Hi there, beautiful people. I hope you're doing amazing. I am pretty good myself. I can't complain too much. I mean, if you wanted to, you could always find something to complain about, right? But I just choose to focus on the bright side and that works for me. So this topic for today, let's just jump right into it, why don't we, is based on a not not even based on like it's not true <laughs> it's because i saw a tiktok video that showed several masked individuals in their you know hoodies and shiesty masks and the new age burglar outfit <laughs> that we have in the 21st century they were robbing of all places the louis store in Orange County, California, I want to say. I've actually seen, you know, because TikTok, every time you like one video, they show you like three others that are pretty much a similar thing. So I actually saw the Louis Vuitton, Orange County robbery, and then I saw a, a Gucci robbery somewhere else. I think maybe it was in LA or something, but I don't know. I saw a, a string of videos that were all the same thing masked assailants stealing luxury goods and running at top speed and I wanted to talk about it because it prompted a really interesting thought that I wanted to share in a more long form format about the future of brick and mortar retail in a dystopian hellscape it sounds super specific but I mean it is a hyper specific thing right how are we going to shop and physically go out and try things on and buy things and interact with each other through commerce especially luxury high-end expensive commerce how are we going to do that in a world that is increasingly more riddled with crime as the economic disparities grow larger and larger every day i think it's a very interesting subject and i don't think that Anyone in luxury retail is going to reinvent the wheel, quite frankly. I think that they're going to take a page out of a book that has long been written from a group of people who do whatever the hell they want to do. And they're quite fabulous about it, actually, if you ask me. And that is the fine jewelry business. Fine jewelry and high fashion operate totally different from each other, if you weren't aware. Because I wasn't aware until I actually started to work in fine jewelry. I've always been a fan of jewelry, but I was never privy to the jewelry business up until these last couple years of my career. And they have a completely different way of doing things, different cadence of collections. They have a different thought process behind creation of everything, way more into sustainability since you literally have to dig up the earth in order to get natural gems. So just different conversation, different energy across the board, fine jewelry versus high fashion. But I do think as it pertains to shopping brick and mortar and shopping in real life, if you will, I do think that high fashion is going to take a page out of fine jewelry's book because jewelry has always been a darling of the theft people. <laughs> a darling of the theft industry, if you will. Jewelry has always been the apple of their eye. And so they have gone to great lengths to make sure that that is not such a huge monkey wrench in their business. Loss prevention is a huge 
huge deal in the fine jewelry industry because historically it's been a lot easier to get away with three or four watches in your hand than it has been to get away with three or four pieces of Vuitton monogram luggage. And quite frankly, the watch probably fetches more money than the luggage anyway, and you're way more nimble and quick on your feet because it's a much smaller footprint that you have to carry around with you. So say all that to say, jewelry people have had loss prevention and alleviation of theft at the top of their minds in their retail experience for a very, very long time. Fine, you know, high-end retail, they... they have the optics of it, it, like the illusion that it's top of mind and that they're really going to get down to the bottom of it. But frankly, it hasn't been as big of a problem as it has been with fine jewelry for the reasons that I just said. Jewelry is a lot lighter and smaller and easier to get away with. And it usually costs 10x what one nice high-end bag would. And you're much more likely to get away. So I totally get it. And even now, with all of the for the forethought on loss prevention that the fine jewelry industry has had, even now they are taking great strides to ramp that up even further. Because during the pandemic, not sure if you guys know, but fine jewelry stores were targeted so heavily for thieves and for robberies. In just one one indie jewelry designer, I don't remember her name, unfortunately, but she has a boutique in Brooklyn, New York City, and her one shop alone got hit by the same guy twice. One time he went in right before they were about to close and they had, you know, some small sales associate there on her own closing up shop and he robbed her blind, of course, because she's not going to put her life on the line for some jewelry. And then a second time, he actually had a female accomplice go in ahead of him because they already knew to look out for this guy. And then once they let her in, then he came in right behind her and robbed them clean again. So that's just one small jewelry designer's little storefront Brooklyn boutique. And her story is one of many throughout the pandemic of fine jewelry brands who have had people sometimes successfully or unsuccessfully steal their things. And so what's been happening in the fine jewelry space is really fascinating. And I think as we see theft continue to rise, we're going to see a lot of the same similarities. So, for example, in essence, the fine jewelry company wants to make it harder for you to get in and out of their store, but they're not going to make it feel like it's a prison, right? They're not going to try to kill the vibes and make people feel like they're trapped in here against their will because that's not the energy that you want when you go into a luxury space. You want to feel at home to, to a degree. So one such brand has now decided to do away with having public front facing retail stores altogether and they have positioned themselves. I don't know how it works out on the back end, I couldn't tell you, but they have been able to position themselves to have their boutique salon inside of a high-end hotel. So you know how some hotels are able to have whole entire businesses run out of their suites? I still don't know, again, logistically on the back end how they do that, but 
some people are able to do business out of a hotel. So a lot of jewelry brands or the the several that I'm thinking of that I'm as I'm telling you this, they have now positioned themselves to have their private salon inside of a hotel. So now you have to get past the security and the front desk. You have to go up the elevator to the appropriate floor and then you have to be let in to a room that is going to automatically lock behind you. And then once you get inside, it's like a beautiful private oasis and it's set up like a very, very nice French parlor and there's free wine or champagne or whatever. And then after that point, it becomes a regular luxury shopping experience. But the key part of that is that any and everyone just can't roll up in there. And part of it is for the air of exclusivity, which is definitely a selling point for very high net worth individuals who have the money to spend $50,000 on a single bracelet or ring or what have you. That privacy and that exclusivity definitely lends itself to your credibility as a brand, especially when you're dealing with these high net worth kinds of people. So that is, of course, part of it. But another bigger part of it that will be ushered in, in my opinion, as these things continue to happen is that it provides a much more difficult point of entry. And the Louis Vuitton store that got ransacked the other day in Orange County is a store, it has a public facing storefront. Anyone off the street can walk into that Louis Vuitton and spend their money. And for many, many years, that wasn't a problem. And even though it was in theory easily accessible to any and everyone, the masses, if you will, Everybody just wasn't going to hop into the Louis Vuitton store and start window shopping because there's still that air of exclusivity mixed with that slight little bit of democratization since you don't have to be be, uh, ushered in via helicopter to shop here. You can just waltz yourself right in. So they had that little high-low mix where it creates the illusion that anyone can pull up in here, but really you can't versus fine jewelry which is absolutely saying make no mistake we don't want any and everybody to pull up here (laughs) like we're in a hotel you're not here unless we want you to be here you're not here unless you know what's up like you're not going to be just minding your business on the street eating a hot dog and then you turn your head to the left and you see my jewelry on display like no this is for those who know this is truly if you know you know type of business and I think especially with luxury fashion, since Bernard Arnault kind of owns it all at this point, the LVMH brands, Bernard has been very vocal in saying that he wants everyone's money. <laughs> like, that is his end game. He's Even though he is a French native, he's not one of those French natives that has the traditionally, uh, how would I say it, that has the traditionally flowery, overzealous, overly bougie (laughs) approach to fashion where, oh, I I don't want such and such in my clothes or I don't want such and such to represent my brand. Bernard Arnault has said on his own accord that he doesn't care about any of that stuff. He, if if your money is green, he will have you. And since he is such a key power player in the luxury retail space, that energy has definitely trickled from the top down, if you ask me, and it has created this sense of ubiquity around 
these brands that used to be up until very recent human history very closed off from the public very insular very uninviting like most people i would say probably in their 30s and up they don't remember fashion as this democratic space for self-expression they remember especially french fashion as being and french fashion of course is what we largely associate with luxury fashion uh, they associate those spaces with being very exclusionary very judgmental and very hard to access for one reason or another whether it was economic or geographical or racial or social whatever the reasons fashion only recently has become this ubiquitous presence where any and everybody is welcome and unfortunately in these spaces where any and everyone is welcome there are people with not so nice intentions who push their way into that space which is what we're seeing now where we're seeing people literally rob these stores and it's not lost on me that these are some of the most well-known marquee brands that are being targeted these are brands that you know colloquially as they say in the black community everybody and their mama knows about this brand everybody knows about louis about gucci about prada etc and there's a reason why for now at least there's a reason why these well-known marquee names are being targeted and not a uh i'm my, the first brand that comes to my mind is area because i love their stuff but i don't even think area has its own standalone stores at this point but like there's a reason why louis vuitton is being targeted and not uh like a Sonia Raquel boutique or a Vivian Westwood boutique or a um just a, another small standalone boutique store like a TA New York or like a Jeffries which is no longer in business since the pandemic but there's a reason why these large scale names are being targeted right now versus these smaller scale places that have just as many expensive items there if not sometimes more expensive because the average person knows what louis is and knows about the louis store but they don't know about a ta new york or a jeffries so they're not going to target these places currently because they're not part of the cultural zeitgeist and part of that is due to bernard arnaud's very intentional takeover of high fashion and turning it into a cash cow business when it wasn't before. You know, when Bernard Arnault first got into the business of acquiring brands, all of his brands were losing money. Well, a good chunk of them were losing money. He was courting Christian Lacroix, a French designer, for years, and Christian Lacroix lost millions of dollars year over year until Bernard finally gave up on it. And Bernard was one of the first european investors to invest in american fashion brands at the turn of the century because he saw that people were moving away from the stuffy french exclusionary energy of high fashion and they were moving towards things like diffusion lines which started here in the united states a diffusion line being for example, DKNY, which is a diffusion line of Donna Karen, which is slightly less expensive, but because it's Donna Karen, it still has this air of luxury, even though it's more accessible. Things like that appeal to Bernard Arnault. 
and has created what we have nowadays where whether it's real or fake, you can pull up almost on any corner and see somebody with something, a small leather good from Louis or Gucci, for example. And so the ricochet effect of becoming so well known is that you attract so many different energies and the lack of discernment between who you want associated with you and who you don't allows the floodgates to open and allows a whole lot of nonsense to ensue as a result. And so what is unique about fine jewelry, in my opinion, is that fine jewelry has not had a Bernard Arnault type come in and try and democratize the whole process. At this point, from what I can see as somebody that works in the industry currently, the fine jewelry business is very much okay with being a niche business for people who have means. And in a lot of cases, the more under the radar this stuff is, the better, which I think is a complete opposite to how luxury fashion runs itself today. And so to prevent stolen merchandise and to prevent having to write off all of this merchandise on the books as a loss, I think the LVMH brands and in general luxury brands, since everybody kind of follows the pulse of LVMH at this point, they're going to take a font they're going to take a page out of fine jewelry's book and we're going to start to see more exclusionary practices for these luxury retailers and there's definitely going to be a backlash but it's going to happen because it's the only way that they can do something that's somewhat effective to prevent themselves from being robbed quite frankly so we're going to start to see things like the rise of appointment only showrooms, appointment-only boutiques. If you don't have an appointment, you can't come here. I'm going to start to see the rise of those things happen again. As a matter of fact, I can't remember where I read it, and I don't know if it was just an alleged story or if it was something that was in the makings at some point, but Chanel was playing with the idea, allegedly I read, was playing with the idea of having standalone boutiques that were only by invite from a sales associate. It's not the general boutique where anybody can queue up and wait in line to try and get a classic flat bag or some other piece from the runway. It is, we're inviting you to be here at X time. This is a private shopping experience. This is going to give the true air of luxury, which, quite frankly, one would associate with Chanel, especially if you've been a longtime client of the house and they want to hold on to your business and stay in your good graces. So I've already heard rumblings of luxury brands potentially doing something like this, but definitely after seeing that string of theft videos, I would for sure say it's on the horizon. Stuff like, again, invite-only showrooms, blocking off access from the street. Right now, currently, that Orange County Louis Vuitton store has completely closed off their street access, which is how the burglars were able to get in the first time now you can only enter through the the department store entrance and that's because it's going to take far longer for you to run through the department store to get out of the mall to get in your getaway car or whatever what have you it's going to take far longer for you to do that than it's going to take you to leave out of the street facing entrance of the louis store so i think we're going to start to see people do away with street level exits for their stores and find some other way to first and foremost be compliant with like 
fire regulation safety hazards, but also in a way that makes it more of a challenge for you to get in and out of the store. So as a consumer, it's going to suck for sure, especially if you've grown accustomed to being able to come and go from a store as you well please. That's going to be a problem, especially in these high crime areas like a Los Angeles or a New York. Or uh, I heard something up. There was a burglary recently in Paris as well at a jewelry store. So in these high access, high crime areas, it's definitely going to be a much more rigorous, longer point of entry. So you're really going to go shopping if you want to deal with queuing up in line and Let's say another thing that I think that they will implement is having a maximum amount of people that can be in the store at one time. They did that for a while with COVID because of health and safety, but I think it's just going to become a day-to-day protocol as they ramp up these efforts. And so we're going to see people have to queue up outside because they can't have more than, I'm making it up, six to eight people in their store at any given time. So you're going to have to stand outside and queue up or make an appointment, once again, going back to my earlier point, to be able to go in and shop. And I think that way, also, it's kind of a twofold for the brands. They get to protect themselves a little bit better. But there's also a greater chance, frankly, that there's not going to be a bunch of window shoppers who waste their time. <laughs> At the end of the day, people are people are here to make money. Like, clothes are great, but they're, no one's working retail for free. Sorry, they're not. And by you going through that extra trouble to finally get in the door of that boutique, they can further guarantee that you're much more likely to buy something and not waste their time. So there's a lot of different benefits from the company's perspective, from the brand's perspective, to implementing these stricter points of entry because right now, again, thanks to Bernard Arnault, There are so many people who are in and around the luxury fashion space who are kind of just being caught up in the hype of everything. If you ask me, I don't think they really care about the quality and the craftsmanship and the brand heritage and all of the really kind of nerdy, geeky parts of this business. And, and, and these brands' stories, I don't think they care about that. I think they're part of a huge tidal wave of people that are just taken in by the perception, the public perception of being affiliated with these brands, the public perception of having a Louis Vuitton wallet or a Gucci belt or a Dior bag. I don't think they really care about what those bags represent in terms of the quality. I think they care about what the public perception will be if they're seen with this bag, which is why you have people who don't even buy the real thing, right? As long as it's a really nice looking replica, that's more than enough for them because they don't care about the bag itself. It's not about the bag. It's about the association of the bag and what it says about you and how it elevates you and your social status in certain rooms. That's what these people care about. And that's why people are stealing, of course, because we have economic disparities and our government is not doing anything to help us, of course. But also 
because of Arnaud, Bernard Arnault's mission to democratize all of this stuff and get as much money as he can. These are brands that people instantly recognize. And so it's instantly associated with a cash grab, which is probably like the most non-luxurious, non-sexy thing that you can think in these spaces. But the trickle-down theory of luxury at this point has made it so that that's what everyone sees when they see a Louis or a Gucci, which is why you have a lot of fashion purists and enthusiasts who won't even wear those brands anymore or like certain pieces they won't wear anymore because they don't want to be associated with the newfound perspective that comes with having those bags, like how most girls have put their Louis Vuitton speedies away because they don't want to be associated as one of the girls that wears speedies because now speedies have become basic. And unfortunately, when, when things become basic, sometimes basic can be kind of a harmless thing or basic can also mean that a lot of people use the basicness of it as a low hanging fruit excuse to do effed up things like steal. <laughs> and by no means am I on the side of rich fashion billionaires. I really don't care at all. But I just think it's an interesting critique on human nature and what people prioritize in this day and age. I'm very much part of the proletariat and I'm very much a comrade in case you were wondering. But it is just fascinating overall to see how these brands morph as they become more and more like a big box name like i would argue some of the lvmh brands are kind of like the the walmarts of their industry (laughs) they're just everywhere they're ubiquitous there's nothing special about them there's nothing exclusive about it you don't feel this this um sense of desire that you once felt for them because you see it everywhere now when you see something everywhere for some of us for a lot of us truthfully since it is human nature it just dilutes it too much of a good thing is a very real phenomenon and now we're seeing the blowback of too much of a good thing in the form of crime you know you keep putting these brands in front of everyone's faces and You're not discerning who you're parading this stuff around and who you're not. And now you have a bunch of people who you don't desire to be affiliated with your brand, being affiliated with your brand, and now they're stealing it. (laughs) And that's what happens when you don't have a discerning voice. And when I say people who don't want to be affiliated with your brand, for full disclosure, if you've never seen me before, I am a non I'm an unambiguously black woman. I'm also an unambiguously black woman that is from an impoverished neighborhood. So I'm I'm not saying this in like a stuck up one percenter kind of way. I'm just saying it from the perspective of energy. Energetically, I don't want people who rob and steal to have any desire to wear my shit personally, if it was me. I don't want you to. I don't want my brand to be associated with scamming or with robbery (laughs) or with any of those things. And if I'm not careful about the rooms that my stuff gets seen in, then 
I run the risk of that happening. For example, there's a brand that, you know, I'm kind of older, <laughs> but there's a brand that is truthfully too youthful for me and, and I'm not interested in it called Denim Tears that is created by, I can't remember his name right now to be honest with you, but a guy who is, I think, the creative director at Supreme or he, he does something at Supreme that's pretty important and he created his own line called Denim Tears. And the types of people who are seen wearing denim tears are not the kind of people that I personally want to be associated with. I saw that he had a pop-up shop for the brand and it went completely off the rails and people got arrested and people were like vandalizing cars and property all to get their hands on some ugly ass jeans, in my opinion. And it's, if it's ugly and you like it, then wear it. I don't care. That's not the point. But the point is, not only is the material and the design itself, it's not for me, but more than that, I saw the way people were acting behind those clothes and I saw the people who wanted to be affiliated with those clothes and I decided it wasn't for me because I don't want to be affiliated with those kinds of people. I don't want to be affiliated with people who act crazy in public and who vandalize property and cars on behalf of some clothing that no one ever needs. I don't want to be affiliated with it, which is the exact same reason why I saw a pair of Travis Scott Dunks a couple years ago, and I thought they were so cute. I, I can't remember the name of them, but they have like a bandana print, and I was debating buying them, and they're not cheap, and I was debating buying them, and I was just like, actually, I won't, because even though I really like the way they look, I don't want to be associated with Travis Scott fans. No offense. <laughs> No offense, but like as a collective, I have always seen Travis Scott fans as being like really rowdy and really aggressive and just kind of like hype beast type of people. And I don't want to be affiliated with that kind of person. And I don't want to have anything on my body that signals that I want to be affiliated with you because I don't. So even though I liked the design itself, I didn't buy it because of who associates themselves with it. And so hopefully that gives you a greater understanding into what I meant. Um, that's the best way I can describe it. But say all that to say that I think we're going to be really intrigued by the shopping phenomenon and the way that luxury tries to rectify the situation of being too many things to too many people and now they're going to have to reel it in and find a way to become more exclusionary and recapture the core audience that they really want to speak to more than anyone. It'll be really interesting to see how they make that pivot and how they bring those people back into the fold because I can say for sure that there's definitely people who have walked away from certain brands because they just don't want to be affiliated with what those things represent now for their own reasons. And I just listed my own reasons for some random pieces of apparel just now. But everybody's got a reason. And it'll be interesting to see how they try and grab that core audience and bring them back into the fold. So TBD, let's see how it goes. I have a strong feeling that they're going to implement some of the things that Fine Jewelry has been doing. And please tag me in any of those things if you see them and be like, oh my God, you totally called it. Or whatever, just tag me in anything. <laughs> and yeah, that's essentially it for me. This is just a random musing on what I think is going to happen in the future. So... I would love to hear what you think about this, as always. I always would love to hear from you. And 
You can find me on my socials, which is tagged in the description of all of these episodes. And if you liked what I said, you didn't like what I said, you agreed, you disagree, you halfway agree, all of that is cool. As long as we can have a respectful, open, mature conversation about it, I'm perfectly down to do that. And I love sharing this discourse with more people. So if you know anyone that is just into this sort of stuff or into just hearing different ideas in general, please do your thing with this episode and forward it and share it and talk about it. And yeah, come find me on the internet somewhere and let's chop it up. Thank you for tuning in to another segment of Celestial Thoughts. Have a nice day.